Welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast, a podcast where we share the ins and outs of what's working in the recruiting industry. I'm your host, Clark Wilcox, the founder of Digital Recruiter. Uh, Today, we have Noel Federico, the CEO and co-founder of Staff Agency. Noel, thanks for being here. You're welcome. My pleasure. uh, There's going to be a lot to cover as we were just talking about before we could go this could go in many directions so we'll see <laughs> we'll see what happens both of us like being off script so we might be recording past dinner but uh we'll try to keep uh try to keep the reins in but you have uh such a cool background and uh, I know we've worked together before and just had it's been such a cool partnership I've loved getting getting to know you I think you just have such a cool sh- story to share and just so much experience and I've done so many things and kind of come into the recruiting industry. I'm excited for everyone to kind of hear, hear your story. Um, you know, so if we get this started, like, yeah, talk to us, like describe the journey uh, that led you to becoming the CEO of a recruiting agency when that was not necessarily your background. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not at all, actually. Um, so one of the hats that I wear, um, I am the director of project management for a large law firm in Miami. And one day, Oh, probably in 2019, we were sitting around talking about some clients that were using recruiting firms and they were just not having great luck. And um, my other, the other co-founder, Brian and I were sitting there with Mark and Greg and some other people. And it was like, why don't we just start our own staffing company? Like, and then we could, you know, we could service clients and we could do it the way that we think it should be done. And um, at that point, uh, one of us in the room, Greg, had a lot of experience with recruiting. He had had his own agency, so he was kind of the captain of that. I've had a lot of experience starting companies um, and dealing with teams and managing people and leadership and all that. So we had, you know, between the group of us, we had a lot of uh, experience across the board in all different aspects. So we decided to find somebody that was whose wheelhouse was recruiting. Um, which we did in Josh Kerner. Uh, We tapped him to be the president of staff agency. And uh, then we started to add in some people, Matt and early on Mike um, and now Steven and Karen. And that's basically our core team. And we've got, I think, 11 or 12 people now um, with us. So, yeah, so that's how we started. We started because we wanted to serve. Um, We wanted to, there were so many things that I was hearing in that room and that Brian and Greg and I, that we were all hearing about just the horrors of, you know, of recruiting and recruiting firms and, and the industry itself and all of that. So we're very solution oriented folks. Um, We've all been doing, you know, high level entrepreneurship, business management, founding companies, all that kind of stuff for decades. So it was like, you know what? We'll solve this. We'll make our own company. And that's what yeah. we did. No, that's that's great. I mean, that's that is recruiting, and it's. I mean, it's it's all business of problem solving. But the recruiting of just that miscommunication and where people are dropping the ball and not being able to match the talent or ask the interview questions. I think it sounds like for your room with a bunch of business leaders and owners, it's like we got to be able to figure out this problem, right? And right. I know when you dive deeper. It seems simple on paper at times with the recruiting agency, uh, but I know you guys have worked really hard the last three years to be, as you said, relationship focused, culture focused. Um, what's 
that you know what's the three years been like for you kind of what you know what are what are some of the the takeaways what's the the last three years been like we we want so my wish was to found a company based on um the principles i've studied success principles since i was 12 years old i'll be 55 in a couple of weeks so for decades um those principles have been the cornerstone of my existence and what i wanted to do was take all the best practices that i've learned from john maxwell and dale carnegie and all the different things i've done and studied i want to build a company based on that i wanted yeah. to build a company based on serving people serving the staff you know serving our own internal people first and then they're thereby serving clients and candidates and everything else that comes along with recruiting. So the horror stories that we were hearing was mainly about how the recruiters were being treated, like the internal, the internal mechanics of the company, right? And then um, when your, you know, when your culture is not good or your culture is toxic in a company, then everything else that you touch, you know, doesn't really work as well as it could or should. And so. Um, that was where my passion lies in serving people. And I believe as the CEO and co-founder, like my job is to pour into my people on, on our internal team. And, and then they take that and then they pour out into the client relationships and the candidate relationships and all of that. So I see, um, you know, my job as very service oriented and, you know, it, a leader by service and by example that that's what i believe that's what i wanted to build a company on that's what we've been able to do so when you say we were have worked hard the last three years yes however it's been easy in that all like i care about the people so even in business dealings we've walked away from some stuff sometimes clients like if if the relationship isn't there and it's not solid for me it's not about the money it's about the people it's always about the people and i really do believe that if if we're all about the people and all about service, the money will come, the business will come. And I think that when we first started, Josh and some of the first people that we hired thought I was a little crazy um, because I was really just pushing, like if a deal doesn't work out, don't worry about it. Let's just speak about how we want it to be. Let's stay positive. Let's use positive psychology. And Sometimes I think they still look at me like I'm a little bit, you know, but it's worked. <laughs> the thing is now we've got three years plus, right? It has worked. We came through the pandemic without any, you know, any real issues. We are a primarily remote company. So everybody's kind of working in their own space and that's working. Um, you know, our people are happy. So it's working, you know, so now everybody doesn't think I'm so crazy anymore because it's yeah. actually working. <laughs> yeah, well, it, one of the, and I'm hearing a lot of you know, just incredible lessons in there and things I talk about all the time. And it's why we've worked well together, you know, me and you and me and the team is, you know, focus on the relationship, focus on what you need out of the relationship, which a lot of recruiting agencies don't do. It's very transactional and chasing wrecks and not really understanding and reverse engineering. Like, is this like a good role? Is this going to are they going to hire someone? Is the candidate going to be happy here? Right. Mm -hmm. And really thinking that through right. before you just chase, you know, a right. twenty, thirty thousand dollar placement. You know, I think you had you knew enough about the industry kind of coming in to be like, okay, that's the way it needs to approach because that's how good business is done. And a lot mm -hmm. of recruiting agencies are founded, you know, it's a recruiter that was good at selling that just starts their agency, but they haven't really learned like business and the whole scope and the people. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's cool is you knew, okay, I need someone day to day 
that has run the recruiting agency side of things before. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the agencies they miss because they don't understand the 50,000 foot view of how all, all the pieces that they're tying together. And it's been interesting to kind of know you guys for the last year and a half and kind of see how that's worked. And when we went to Vermont, I mean, it was clear everyone loved you and everyone had a lot of respect for each other. And does it mean everyone's going to be on the ship, you know, every single year? Well, no. I mean, things happen. People change, right? It's still a performance-based business. But you really created the environment for like, hey, this is what it's going to take if you want to be here. Like, how does that sound to you? Right. Like we're going to invest in you. We're going to invest training and tools and everything else. Like just treat it the right way. Like, yes, you do have to come through. Like it's a business, but we're going to give you everything you need. And people are kind of like, oh, like I have the option. Like that's they're not used to that. And I know because I've talked to a lot of agencies, a lot of recruiters. That's very rare. Um, So that that was really cool. And kind of doing that retreat with the team. I, I love that you like prioritize that as well like yeah. yeah you're remote but like let's get together and like what do we want to be in a sense right right um right where where did that like background come from of like team building like you mentioned be kind of studying it forever but like you're so passionate about it like how where did that come from um my so one of the things i do is i'm an executive coach as well as a consultant and many other things and my mom was an executive coach so i grew up like traveling with her, doing seminars with her, watching her coach people and entrepreneurs. And she was doing all the kind of law of attraction coaching stuff before it was a thing. So, you know, she was doing this a long time ago. I'm 55 or I'll be 55, like in the seventies and eighties, like she was, she was already there where like every, you know, for everybody now it's like, Oh, this is a new thing. It's like, no, that was my whole life. I had a very odd childhood. We'll call it. Um, my mother was more of a trainer and a coach to me, you know, uh, than a parent. Um, my grandparents helped to, you know, parent me. My mom was an entrepreneur and a single mom. And I just, this is how I grew up. I grew up understanding that service was what had to be done, that it was our job to serve people, um, that, you know, where my family is Catholic and we're spiritual to an extent. And I was just taught service. That's, that's really all I know in, in all honesty. I only know how to care about the people first. And I've always been taught that if you cared about the people, the money will follow that. Um, And, you know, where you get a disconnect is when you start chasing money rather than uh, being of service. So I, you know, I've really hammered home with our team that, you know, we're, yes, to your point, we have to do business so that we can pay everyone and have a salary and all of that. However, it's about the relationship. So I don't want you uh, chasing a placement just to chase a placement. I don't want you stuffing someone into a job just to get money. Like that is going to fall apart. It's going to ruin our reputation and we don't operate like that. So you have got to come from a place of service. And in that you kind of have to have some trust, right? Because I was just talking to Matt a little while ago, one of our managing directors, and they, you know, they've had a rough week with some stuff. And I said, Maddie, remember, you know, when something goes away, something else will come. And, and it's, and it's your, and it's our attitude when something goes away, that's going to bring the next thing. So if when, if when a deal seems to fall apart, if we just go, okay, there's something better coming. You know, and as leaders, when we're saying that to our team, like, don't worry, something better is coming. Will, you know, did it fall apart because we made a misstep? Did we, did we do something process wise, you know, that we shouldn't have done? 
and if if that's and if we did great how can we fix it for next time let's move on and then if we didn't do anything process oriented if it was just that the person didn't want the job or the client changed the whatever then don't sweat it more business will come like don't you know so i think a lot of not just the recruiting industry all industries right there's there's very much a, a lack mentality a panic mentality if something goes away if if something falls apart if you know all that has energy right yeah. energy is a real thing it's a real thing in your life in, in yeah. everyone's lives and it's a real thing in business and how you as leadership put out your energy to your team and the people that you deal with that is the way that they're going to behave so you can't be leadership that just has lip service you have to be leadership that shows the actions that are following through you know with what you say and i might be a lot of things one thing i do is i walk my talk so if i'm telling you something i'm doing it and i remember when karen came to visit me a few months ago she's another one of our managing directors she came to my home for the first time and she was like wow everything is so like right neat and she's like you really are you know who you say you are is really who you are it's how you live it's what's happening here like not that she was surprised, but it just gave her that extra like, wow, okay. Cause she had never, she had met me before in person last summer when you guys all came, but she had never been to my home. Yeah. So, you know, she was able to see that it all lines up. And in truth, that's the only way, you know, to, to, to lead people. You, you have to walk your talk and you have to treat people the way that you want to be treated. It, it's, it's really interesting trying to do that in this society where there's like diminishing, right? The, the, the trust has been kind of broken, right? We get bombarded by emails and phones and TV and just everything and trying to get our attention and our money. It's really hard for people to believe that approach at times, right? And it's just mm-hmm. it's like, and it's just, as you said, just staying with it and like walking the walk and just making sure internally you're aligned. And so it's like, it might seem new to some people or like, oh, I don't know. But you just keep like the only way from I've learned is I've gotten some of that feedback that I'm a little unorthodox at times myself. Like you just have to stay true. But as you said, you have that abundance mindset versus like fear based. There's so much fear based out there. When people come across that, they're like, wait a minute, is this real? Like, you know, and you just kind of, as you said, to your point, like it's like waves in the ocean. You just keep showing up like one after another, one after another. And like that is true leadership. Right. And I'm yeah. sure it takes like a ton of work on yourself. I mean, it just shows like you're clearly doing the work too to kind of keep yeah. after that day after day. And, and you're right. Like you have that energy, that mentality with what you invest your team in like systems and helping them make things repeatable and that they have opportunities to go back at it and not worry about stuff. Like that's a powerful combination, right? You kind of have that internal belief mixed with some right. like real business systems. Um, right. And that's what people might not know like, until they ch- you know, check out your LinkedIn is you're saying all this historically, you know, as coaches, but you have this whole CFO background too. Like you've dealt with the business, you've dealt with the money. 14, yeah, 14 years. I've sat, I've yeah. been in a C-suite position for clients in companies for over three decades. So I've been CMO, CFO, all kinds of different things. So I, yes, my background is in business and my background is also in, you know, in mindset training. I mean, that's what I was been, I've been trained in mindset training since I was 12 years old. I have done tons of transformational work, landmark education, all Dale Carney, all kinds of things. Always. My mom was always dragging me to the, you know, when I was 12, 13, let's go here. I want you to do this training. And, 
I thought she was crazy. I really did. But now, you know, looking back after seeing what I've been able to accomplish so far in my lifetime, like it was, it was an incredible gift that she gave me, you know, back then. Um, You have to, to your point with like the news and the this and the that and everything coming at you. If you really want to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and that's really what, as a human being, really what I do is drive change, right? I drive change from a fixed mindset for people, businesses, whatever it is, to a growth mindset. And what that means is you become conscious of what you put in. It's just like a gas tank. You wouldn't put sand in your gas tank, okay? So to sit down and watch the news every night and and watch, you know, it it's not going to help you. It's like, if you really want to grow and be successful, you're an entrepreneur or you're a sales or recruiter responsible for your own sales, you know, a business development person that you're responsible for your results. You need to start looking at your daily habits because that's where you're going to find your future. You're going to find your future in what you do every day. So if you talk like, you know, a entrepreneur and like a great salesperson and then you walk in your door and you grab a beer and a box of devil dogs and you sit on the sofa and you watch lifetime or cnn or fox news and that's what you do from the time you come home till the time you go to bed i have news nothing's going to change for you and you're not going to meet probably most of your goals you know you have to start to look at your daily habits and and then you have to start to change and that's the growth mindset right a fixed mindset says i only have this much of an education i'm never going to be able to make that much money i can't do that it's not historically possible my family comes from this background all that's just a bunch of you can do anything that you want you have to be willing to do the work you have to be willing to do the work and that's where most people fail business owners, sales, everybody, most people fail in the actual action, but in the consistency of the action, because anybody can take a great action for like a week. And then when it still looks like it's not, it's like those people that go on a diet and then in three days, they're still fat and they, and they're like, forget it. Diets don't work. Well, you know, you don't, yeah, you're not the one putting in the work. Right. And it's, Uh, you're speaking my language, the digital recruiter language, right? Well, so we have three phases when I work with people to begin with, right? It's we've got to initiate, right? Come up with a plan, initiate it, refine it, what's working, what's not working, and then stay consistent. And that's the most important yeah. one. I've learned it's so easy to drop off. I mean, as you said, with, you know, fitness is a huge one, right? The gym, how it looks on January yep. 2nd versus January 30th, <laughs> right? And so that's a whole thing every right. year. Uh, I've definitely been guilty a couple couple years myself on that. Um, but it, it's such a huge part of it. And it's so easy to fall off. And especially in recruiting, when, you know, that energy you talk about, that, that doing the work, if a recruiter, say, makes 50 placements in a year, that could be an, an incredible year. Right. Right. But those are, if those happen on different days, well, that's 50 days out of 365 days that you're truly getting a win. You know, how are you reacting the other 315 days? You know, days like that's, you know, how do you show up those days? Because it's, you know, I had a post this morning talking about, you know, football, like the games are like 1% of the year for football teams. Mm -hmm. Like they spend almost all their time practicing and training and film study, all that kind of boring stuff but it's like that's the stuff it takes when no one's watching to be like wow how'd you build this business it's like well you weren't there for the hours that i put in right the hours we all put in you know and when it wasn't easy um such such an important point 
Um, and that, I mean, and that's where your future is made is in mm. the moments that nobody else is looking Yeah. because it's like, how do you behave when no one's watching? Yeah. You know, what are you doing then? It's, yeah. we can all behave in a, you know, in a fine way when everyone's eyes are on us. It's well, what are you doing when nobody's looking? That's yeah. where you're going to find your future in, you know, in those habits. And to your point with goals and all that, it's great if people start to think that like, instead of setting, you know, quarterly goals or end of year goals or whatever, it's like a growth. What is your growth plan? Right. That's what I say to clients. Like, what is your growth plan for the next 12 months, the next two years, three years? Because in a growth plan, we understand that we have milestones in there that we want to hit. But once we hit that, then we're on to the next thing. When you when you work off a goal plan, it's like, oh, I, I reached that. Now I can sit down and now I'm good for, you know, and that's where people get stuck because instead of seeing it as progression and a growth plan where we're always in motion, it's like, oh, I set five goals and then I hit them and then, you know, and then I, and so the, you lose momentum, right? Because, you know, sales, anything yeah. that's driven like that, you've got to keep applying pressure on the gas pedal and, and keep it at a steady pace. And sometimes you'll rev up and sometimes you'll rev down but you want to keep it at a steady pace. And when people make, sometimes when they make goals, they completely let off the gas because they made their goals. Right. That's it. Then you Job's gotta done. Talk, then you got to yeah. write, then you got to talk with them again and go, okay, now we need some more goals. Whereas yeah. if you, if you are working with people and you're saying, we're, where, what is your growth plan? And you have them always looking like, let's keep looking. Okay, good. We're here now. What's three months from now? What's six months from now? What's next year? What's five years from now? And then you lose that, like you stop stopping, right? You're always just going. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but one thing I found helpful with my team when I was at Aerotech is I started, I learned this thing from Lululemon. They have like, they're like very focused on goals. And like, there was a whole like goal setting thing. And I, I adopted some of it. And I found that incorporating not just the business goals, but like, what is the personal well, what's yes. the fitness, you know, like, and understanding yep. that with my team helped me and helped us in the day to day so much. Like we were all on the same page as to kind of like why we were doing this. And it was deeper than just, well, like, well, we're really great at filling, you know, mini mechanic roles. It's like, all right, like, you know, that's, that's not going to get you pumped on a Tuesday morning when you're like, you know, in different, but you know, it was like, well, I want to pay off credit card debt or I want to get yeah. back in shape and got, get in my yeah. college shape, or I want to be able to afford a down payment on the house. Then it became real. And like, yep. then we were all kind of rolling, you know, the same direction. And I was like, right. I got to qualify this job order well, because my recruiter's trying to pay off his, you know, credit card debt, or he's trying to buy an engagement ring for, you know, for his yep. girlfriend and all that. Like, it just became very real. Uh, is that, yep. I mean, it sounds like I, I, you kind of do something out of, in a similar vein. Um, personal, like, yeah. I yeah. mean, personal growth is huge. And that's part of it. That's part yeah. of your growth plan. Like the growth plan isn't just your business goals. It's honestly more of your personal development. And then you've got the business stuff in there because, you know, you want to buy a house, a credit card, pay off credit card debt, buy a ring, whatever, right? Feed yeah. your family. These are all important, you know, important things. The companies, as we move forward into the future, it's becoming more and more important for companies recruiting whatever, whatever industry to recognize that it's our responsibility as CEOs, leadership, C-suite, to be concerned with the personal development of the humans that are under our watch. Because without that, 
it's empty, right? If I'm not concerned with my people as human beings and what's happening with them and how I can drive them to grow, then what's going to happen to my company? You know, it's going to become complacent and stale. If all I care about is the bottom line and whether or not you guys made your sales goals, okay, well, what if Susie's mom has cancer? And what if Betty's kids, you know, something's going on with them? And what if, you know, if I don't, if I don't care about that, if I don't understand that, then I have failed as leadership. Yeah. If I am not, if I am not first concerned with the personal development and growth of the human beings that are under my watch, then I, then I'm a failure as a leader. Yeah. Okay. Because when you care about the people first, then they will move mountains for you. You can tell I'm very passionate about this. So I love about they, you. Yeah. They will move mountains for you. I mean, it's, it's a real, I see how some companies treat their people and it, deeply disturbs me. I, I have seen managers and leaders not care if a parent needs to run out to like fire somebody for running out to get their kid or making a parent feel like they can't leave their debt. Give me a break. Is yeah. there any, any piece of work on that you know of that like someone's going to, I mean, maybe if you're like your fingers on the nuclear weapons and you can't take your finger off or something. Okay. <laughs> but that's like the rare circumstance, right? Yeah. Like if I'm doing a financial report, I don't think anyone's going to die if I have to go pick up my kid for an hour and for you as leadership to make me feel like a jerk bag because I've got to go get my kid. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, I see a lot of that and it just, it, it really disturbs me. My hope is that we will build an incredible company that someday will be like Zappos where people will be coming to us to say, um, you know, how can you, uh, you know, how do you build a company like that? Yeah. Like, how do you build it? I want to be part of it. You know, I know it's, you know, I want to be a part of a company like that, right? I want to be part of a staff agency because I've heard how you treat people and, you know, and that's where people, just that goodwill that people can build and business owners. I mean, you could get people, people will take less money to be part of a culture like that. Now, you know, you don't always want to offer less or anything like that, but, you know, in agency recruiting, you know, that could help you get off the ground as a business, right? If you have that type of culture and if it's performance-based and people know what's expected of them, but they're going to be taken care of, like, that's a way to do smart business. And like, that's what right. I think a lot of people miss at times. It's like, if you lead with that, as you're saying, and you exemplify, like, people will, like, they'll sacrifice to be part of your team and to help get the help get the, you know, everything off the ground and get it to where like everyone wants the company to be, which is, which right. is really powerful. Um, so I want to touch on something you mentioned kind of the, the leaders and you, I know you're passionate about kind of the, the generation coming into the workforce and with technology and just every generation was like, had a completely different experience. I would say the last three generations, how they're raised, how they communicate, how, like, what are your thoughts on that? And kind of like, what's, what's your approach to that kind of in your, in your, you know, in your business? Um, in our business, well, in every business really, right. Cause when yeah. I look at things, I'm kind of look at and looking at it because we do consulting and, you know, we do training now and, and all those kinds of things. So we've added that into our staff agency scope. So um, for the first time, 
pretty much ever, we have a lot of different generations in the workforce, right? We have boomers, you know, we've got millennials and Gen Xs and um, Gen Zs, and now we've got Alpha coming up behind that. And so each generation, you know, has a particular way that they're, that they do best to be interacted with. And so gone is this whole idea that, you know, you can manage a clump of humans in a particular way. It's really, you know, we're really into the age of having to understand and manage people individually as people and, and have an understanding of people. So I think leaders, you know, going forward, if you're in leadership, you really have to start to dig into this whole generational diversity conversation and kind of understand the different generations that are that your team is comprised of and then do some, you know, ment cross mentoring, right? Because the the younger people probably could definitely help the boomers with technology and things like AI and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. and the boomer generation and even the Gen Xers, like we can help the younger generations with people skills and and soft social skills because a lot of the younger generation was raised you know with a tablet or a phone in front of them and they are uh it's difficult for them to have like confrontive conversations like face to face they're used to just texting things or you know uh making a little video or doing a TikTok or and <laughs> everything has its place right because we're not gonna be a society that's moving forward if we don't embrace and have grace and space for like every piece of that yeah. so um we have to figure out ways to capitalize on everyone's strengths right the generational strengths and then and then make ways forward because how you might hire, let's just say an alpha or a Gen Zer, that process is not going to work for hiring a baby boomer, right? Like it just isn't because that's not what they're used to. Yeah, and I've... they have rich, they have rich experience, right? So you may want some of those people on your team <laughs> because you have a younger generation that's great at tech and great at AI and honest to God, not so great at the human interaction stuff because they just don't know it. You know, it's not what they're used to. Yeah. So you've got to figure out ways to bring, you know, to cross all these things together and, and have your teams comprised of, you know, members from every generation and then where they're mentoring each other and everyone has a, a voice and everyone has a listening for all of the different things, right? You don't want the boomers saying that these, you know, the Zer, the Gen Zers and the alphas don't know what they're talking about or they don't like, because without the technology, the boomers aren't gonna get very far, yeah. you know? So it's, it's, it's like that. You've got to be able to start really understanding that. And there's a lot of leadership or people that just, they have their head in, their, in the sand, right? They're like, what, what has worked will always work. No, no, yeah. it won't. It, it's right. It there's won't. there's fundamentals are, are there, right? In business, you know, I could talk about, you know, well, you have to source a certain way. You have to screen candidates a certain way. But, you know, there is very real societal like shifts that happen and the way we interact and communicate. And it's refreshing to hear, you know, a leader like yourself just talk, like just dive into it. They're like, hey, this is a reality. And instead of saying, well, I don't want any Gen Z or I don't want any baby boomers. It's like, well, how can we make this work? 
Because if you do that and you show people a different path or a path they weren't expecting and it betters themselves, right? They're so, they're just, it builds on that loyalty. Then they become much more bought in and it's from a very real authentic place and not, you know, not forced culture, which I think you and I have seen all the time, but it you know, right. makes us sick. Uh, when we do see it, it's like, no, like family isn't something you say, right? Or that culture, it's like, you have to earn that, right? You have to kind of earn that loyalty and right. that respect. And uh, I think it's great to like, kind of take, kind of take that approach and just lean into it. Like, what are the strengths and weaknesses? That's really what it comes down to, right? It's just like, what are people's strengths and weakness and how do we build a team around it? Because on a right. team, you don't have a hundred quarterbacks. You have a couple quarterbacks and you have running backs right. and like there's different roles for different people, right? And like, that's, that's huge. And, so. you know, you have to have space and grace for everybody, right? Because there's like yeah. all different, you know, genders now too, right? Which is, which is different than it was when I was growing up or even when I started to learn about leadership. So, you know, you cannot reserve the right to really have an opinion about people's personal choices. Because if you, if you're doing that, then you're not, you know, running yourself in a diverse and equitable way, right? Because you, I would never you know, somebody's uh, gender choice or whatever might not be what I would choose, but I'm, I would never want someone to come to the table and feel disincluded by myself or my management, right? Never. I would want, no matter how they were dressed or what their, you know, particular persuasion was or whatever, I would never want anyone to feel like they couldn't have a voice at the table. And so, you know, a lot of leaders that are my age and older, like this, these are uncomfortable, potentially uncomfortable constructs for us, just because it's not how we were brought up. You Mm -hmm. know, we were brought up with Archie and Edith Bunker, right? And the Jeffersons. And like, I mean, that's the show, you know, that's the shows that were playing on the TV when I was a kid. Um, So you, if you want to lead successfully, you must keep challenging yourself, right? I have to keep sticking in my face what's uncomfortable to me. I have to keep being willing to learn. When AI first came out, you know, um, Brian was like, look, this is great because he's a techie. And I was like, oh my God, stop with the AI, you know? And now I'm like, okay, it's not going away. So what did I do? I got some books on it. I I got myself a subscription to chat GPT-4. I started figuring out how to prompt it, how to how to make it work for me, you know, how to how to have it uh, develop content with with me, not yeah. for me, you know, because my big thing is my authentic original voice, and I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Um. So you know, that's just an example of of I would have preferred to keep my head in the sand. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest. I I don't I don't like that. Like I'm not a techie. It's just like I don't don't want that. I don't like it. Yeah. But I'm I'm also not a stupid woman, right? So I recognize that. Wow, I better get on the bus and I better learn. I better yeah. learn how to make it work for us and for me, or I'm going to be left behind. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to be one of those like static leaders that's useless because I don't understand. Yeah, you got to keep you know you got to keep the iron sharp. It's really important. Um, with that, right, you give your you give your team so much of of you, right? Like so much of your time, your energy, the support, right? Create fostering that environment, right? The tools, the training. How do you approach, you know? And, and sometimes in environments like that, and I've kind of worked through this in my own career as an owner and as a manager in a company, is 
how do you set the boundaries, right? Because sometimes people, I say recruiting, you're only as good as like you're kind of the, you know, the the weakest link in the team because people are going to, especially they're going to point to that person or look at that like, well, they can get away with that. Like I can get away Mm -hmm. with this. How do you make kind of like determine and enforce some of those boundaries? Like what's some of your approaches there? Boundaries with like, give me an example. Boundaries with team, yeah, or with boundaries like, on my time, or boundary like, tell me what. Yeah, what boundaries? So talk like recruiting. Like we say, recruiter performance. Like is a recruiter? Are they you know profitable? Are they bringing revenue to the company? Right? Are they hitting like their marks? Are they you know gotcha. participating kind of with the team? Yeah, that those kind of like you know kind of evaluating so, your team. So we have some, so we have some metrics that have been set um, and we, we really strived at onset not to be the typical recruiting company that is, you know, banging people over the head to have this many phone calls and do this much, you know, whatever. Right. So we were, so at first we had no, we didn't have any metrics really. And then, and that was part of the reason that we included you in our, in our team meeting last year is because I recognized I'm, I know when I'm doing something that's not working, I recognize that we needed metrics and yeah. because it helps the person know if they're hitting the mark also. Yep. So we had to figure out how to create metrics that were support, you know, supportive metrics rather than metrics that made people feel terrible or uh, metrics that they felt were insurmountable. So because recruiting is not my wheelhouse per se, that the mechanical acts of recruiting, um, I relied upon Josh and Steven and Maddie um, and with some help from Greg, um, who's an outside consultant of ours uh, and a friend. And, you know, they invented and created the set of metrics, how we would judge people's performance. Um, so that's that's kind of the boundary with that. Right. And then and then the protocol with that is we have teams. So that's another thing is like, I believe in management in small pods. So I, I think that linear management with one person and like a clump of people, like I don't think that's a workable construct anymore. So we go out like this. So we have managing directors and they each are responsible for a team. And, you know, and then that allows the managing director to have a very personal relationship with that team. Um, and then, you know, we are still small enough that we're having, you know, an all staff meeting, um, one that I happen to appear on every Friday. Um, so, you know, I get to see and kind of hear what's going on. I just sort of sit like a fly on the wall. Um, so what happens is with those metrics, you know, every day they're being reviewed by the team, you know, by the managing director with the team and, and people know if they're not performing well. And so let's just say if someone isn't performing the way that they really need to, to make it work, then we interact with them to try and see why that is, right? So we use DISC as a tool um, in our, uh, in, in the way that we run our company. We also use an executive coach, an outside executive, well, she's an inside outside executive coach. Um, so we have, you know, we offer a lot of support is my point to people. So if, if someone's not hitting it, we're digging in and, you know, there have been a couple of times where we've hit upon someone that recruiting just, they thought it was going to be for them and it just wasn't for them. Um, you know, and then they ended up leaving or, or we had to ask them to leave, but it has been honestly in the last three years, very few and far between that, you know, those things have happened. Yeah. And it's just, it's real. 
Like it's, it's, you know, there's not a hundred, there's not a 0% turnover rate anywhere. Right. And so it's just, it's part of, you know, it's part of business. It's like not the most fun part, but there's some real lessons there. You know, the recruiting industry has been hit pretty hard this year, especially in different, you know, certain sectors. And, you know, we started working together last summer. I was working with Steven and Josh and, and then I went out to Vermont August and we talked about the metrics and you guys and kind of came up with a plan. You know, we came up with a plan on like how to enforce that and, you know, and with the onboarding, and I don't think it's a coincidence that like doing that with the relationship with the culture you had built, like through the winter. And I think we had helped, you know, we found, you know, we've helped you know, Karen and Michael and Carly, right, our all team members that, you know, I, you know, digital recruiter helped, you know, help uh, you find that we placed with you. Yeah. You know, I think they're all like thriving in their various roles. I know Michael had like an all time month. Right. And it's just yeah. like those like the people, the metrics, let's get after it. Let's do it. And you're able to yep. have your best months you've ever had in a year where agencies, a lot of them are struggling, right? So it's like all of that blending in, like, it's a testament. I think you guys are a living testament to that, like how to, how to do it. I said in, in a tough times, you guys are thriving, which I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I'm, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you it's because we care about the people first and yeah. then, you know, and then we i have the best crew of managing directors ever they know recruiting inside and out they come from the right place they are hard workers and they know how to drive the bus yeah. um you know because i'm not a recruiting person and and you know and and that wouldn't i i could probably you know know how to do it but that's just not I've, i'm just very honest that is not my wheelhouse my wheelhouse is management leadership you know those types of things and, yeah, and cool. business, you know, formation and, and breathing life into a business and knowing what I don't know that I don't know. And then putting the right people in there that do know it, you know, it. that can help me figure it out. Yeah. Putting the people so, in positions to succeed. I mean, that's the name of the game. Yeah. It's always easier said than done. And, you know, it takes someone dedicated to it like yourself that has experiences, done it right, done it well. Let's keep studying the game, right? You keep studying this and getting right. better. That's huge. And, and speaking of that, I know I, I kind of asked last second, but I know there was a couple books. Uh, well, at least I was going to ask you what your favorite book was in regards to leadership and coaching, but in classic Noel fashion, but I, know, two. I, know, I know you don't just have one, so we're going to limit you to at least two. two. I have a what lot. Do you got? I tried to, yeah. when I knew you were going to ask me this question, I quickly tried to narrow it down, but yeah. two that have uh, meant a lot to the team and I over the last three years is the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni, um, which is a famous leadership book. And then John Maxwell's The 20 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which wow. is also a great leadership book. Yeah. So those are two that there's a lot of excellent principles and, and lessons in both of those books on how to you know run successful teams. And I liked the five dysfunctions of a team so much that I went and got certified as a practitioner of the five behaviors. That happens to be another Wiley product. You know, Wiley Disc happens to have a product yeah. called the Five Behaviors. So now I am actually a licensed practitioner, and I can take that work into a company and mm. into a team. So mm. that's uh, so I I enjoy that as well. I enjoy being able to facilitate the work. And that's going to be your next step. You said with with agencies, right? It's kind of help or agencies and the companies. And yeah, we're, I mean, yeah. we're happy to help any company that we can, you know, uh, lots of times companies have high turnover or toxic cultures or anything like that. So we do consulting, um, which is, you know, we can come in and tell you what's the matter and then we can tell you how to fix it. And you can either use us to fix it or not. 
Yeah. Uh, or, you know, we can come in and do some disc work or training work, leadership training. Um, I'm a licensed uh, John Maxwell, uh, certified, I should say, certified John Maxwell team member, um, all those different things. So we have a lot of tools in our toolbox to help yeah. other companies, um, even if they're a recruiting company, That's you know, cool. and we'll help any company that needs help. So and because we care, we care about how people are being treated. We care about how companies are treating people. So my my thought and idea is the more companies that we can help, you know, get the culture where it needs to be, that that's what makes companies thrive is an absolutely. excellent culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And, and you're an author yourself. You got a couple books, I am. right? Yeah. 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 I have nice. A couple. I have a, uh, I have a strong female, uh, you know, kind of the working coach mom on Facebook with like a million and I don't know, 1.5 million followers. We do a, mm -hmm. I do a live give back weekly show called the coffee chat show every Saturday morning. So I've written some like inspiration. I was a single mom for 18 years. So that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe That's, someday I'll write a leadership book. I think that might <laughs> when be. I, uh, when I have, well, I yeah. think that's the next thing, but it's like, yeah. when, when would I do that? <laughs> it's uh, you know, get staff agency where it needs to be, where you exactly. guys want it to be first, right? The yeah. growth, uh, the we'll growth get focus. stabilized first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you guys are well on your way there. So, um, yeah. well, the, we can find, you can find Noel on LinkedIn, uh, where it has all the websites and staff agency. And if you, you know, kind of in, if you just want to connect with her everything's on there we'll have the link in the bio um in this episode page um but yeah anywhere i think linkedin and yeah that'll have your website and everything else yeah but linkedin everything is there awesome yeah. no wow this was awesome this is super fun thanks for coming on yeah for sure you your know story. i always love to talk to you so anytime that. likewise 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 well thank you and uh awesome well that'll do it for for this episode digital recruiter podcast um stay tuned leave a review subscribe all that good stuff um, and we'll talk to you next time